right, how many of you this morning have ordered something already and you are awaiting or it's already been delivered? By show of hands. Yeah, absolutely. How many of you are people here today that you are planning on ordering something, but most likely you're going to wait to the very last minute so that you have to stress to see if it's actually going to show up on time? How many of you, I thought you were standing up to say I'm that committed. Yeah, there's some hands of those folks. Absolutely. Some of you. Yes, so um, uh, people in your family are probably hoping you don't draw their name for Christmas, right? So, um, but anyway, so this moment of promise delivered, all right? That's kind of what we're talking a little bit about this today as we close out Acts. Again, we've been in about two years off and on at different points, but walking through this book. And so we're coming to the close of Acts 28. And what I want you to see as we, we kind of close out the book and look forward is that God's faithful to deliver on His promises. The God, at what He began, He is faithful to deliver on His promises. I don't know how many of you have um, had some point, probably um, maybe fourth grade or so, somewhere around that time it usually begins, that you begin to notice that you have an interest in another person of the opposite sex, right? I don't know how many of you remember that, but you had this interest. Um, is everything cool? Good? No? Can no, nobody hear me? Man, maybe it's me. It's It's on. Yeah. It probably is you. It probably is me. Yeah. All right. Is that better? I got Corey's mic. Is that cool? Can you hear that at all now? Yeah. That's better. I know you can hear that. So, cool. Um, all right. So, trying to. I think that's yours. Yes. No. All right. So you can hear. That's good. Um, and, and we'll we'll journey forward. So I'm not sure which mic is which at this point. So anyway, um, all right, cool. So how much did you hear? Have you heard any of it? Okay, you heard it all. So sorry for the people on the radio that you didn't hear that. Um, I apologize. And so um, anyway, we we're just talking about God's faithful promises delivering and how we, He delivers. And so what we were coming to the, the question of is is that you probably had some point at like third or fourth grade, somewhere in there, fifth that you began to notice, and you may have come to those point where you were pretty interested in somebody, and so, man, this thing is all tied up, is that, uh, yeah, that cord is that long, so, anyway, um, is that you came to that moment in which you decided that you were going to um, etch your, your love in ink, I don't know how many of you have been there, but you probably got out that piece of paper, and you were willing to write these simple words, I like you, do you like me, and as George Strait says, check what? Check yes or no, right? Some of you are taking back a few years, but I like you, do you like me, check what? Yes or no, right? You've probably been there that moment. Um, I'm going to say this to the young ladies in our audience. If that brother has the courage to write that in ink, please check yes. To the young ladies in the audience, I'm going to say this on behalf of the fathers. If you think that you might even consider checking yes, bring the letter home and dad will stamp no. Or if he is that qualified, he'll hold it to your at least 30 and then maybe let you rewrite the or check out le- yes. So anyway, kind of butchered that. Um, but listen, the, the point is, is that for me in that moment when it came like I'm going to write the letter, I didn't have the courage to deliver it. So it was very important like that you pick someone that you could trust, right? Now, I don't know about you. If you wrote the letter, were any of you that you had enough courage that you delivered it yourself? Come on, show of hands. 
Okay? So any of you have enough courage that when you wrote the letter, hey, do you like me? I like you. Check yes or no. That you kind of like pass it down the line. Anybody do that? Okay, a few. A few, right? So I'm assuming the vast majority of you either never wrote this letter or you were like me and you chose someone that you could trust to deliver it, right? And so it was usually in some romantic setting, like on the way to the bathroom, right? I mean, that was usually it, right? I'll get it there delivered. Um, But I remember that thinking, man, I can't let just anybody deliver this letter because, listen, I need somebody I know and trust because if she says no, i got to have somebody that has my back that says, he never wrote that, right? I mean, come on. Some of you that receive no's, you know what I'm talking about. You've felt that before. Here's maybe just this little bit. This really has nothing to do with the sermon, but for you that are considering contemplating the letter, I would recommend this Do you like me, yes or yes or yes, right? Right? Don't give them an option. Just say, do you like me, yes or yes. I like that. So anyway, kind of cool. So today we're going to come again to the end of Acts 28, and we're going to see that our God is faithful to deliver on his promise. And what I want you to see is, is that who God entrusts to deliver that news. And it's a pretty amazing thing that we're going to see. So let's look with, just for this morning, maybe three specific things. Promise number one. Paul was delivered to Rome. Paul was delivered to Rome. We walked through that in Acts 27, so it's going to be brief on this point. But Paul was delivered to Rome. This was the promise made back in Acts chapter 25. This was the promise that was made in the midst of the storm in Acts 27. That, listen, Paul, just as you testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify about me in Rome. And listen, he faced all kinds of challenges. And the question was, is God faithful And so this morning, would you just repeat this with me? I'm going to say these words, that God is faithful. He has and will always deliver on his promises. Would you repeat that with me? God is faithful. He has and will always deliver on his promises. Yeah. Pick up with me in Acts 28, beginning verse 1. It says, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all. Because it had began to rain and was cold. So you can imagine if it's cold outside, they were in the midst of a shipwreck. These guys all swam to shore, right? So this is some serious cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Further, verse 4 says, When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was what? He was a God. Have you ever, like, had the thought, like, when's enough enough? I mean, you ever been there in life, like, when is enough enough? I mean... Think about this. Paul is promised by God to go to Rome, but God doesn't necessarily tell him exactly how he's going to get there. This guy has found himself in the midst of an awful storm, a storm which was so bad they thought they were going to die, so they gave up all hope of being saved. And then even after God shows up and speaks and the people seem to be on board, the soldiers devise a plan to kill him and all the rest of the prisoners. And then he has to experience a shipwreck, and finally once he gets there, I'm sure almost freezing to death, swimming through these waters, he goes to build a fire and a snake, like a poisonous, a viper. I mean, they're expecting this, him to die. I mean, can you imagine, Paul, like, when is enough enough? Like, when's it going to stop raining in my life? When are these things going to stop happening? And the only thing that you and I must assume from the text is the reason why Paul has survived all of these moments is because there is a God that is faithful. 
And maybe that might be your testimony today. I mean, you don't even really know how you're here or why you're here. But you have to say there's a God who is faithful despite all of your shipwrecks, beside all your storms, beside my and your failures and blunders. There's a God who loves us, who hasn't given up on us, who still has a promise and a package to deliver. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. But watch this. This is beautiful. Verse 14. Now, we don't have much time in the text today um, for some of the things. But Paul heals um, one of the chief men. His, his father is sick. And so Paul literally prays for this man. He is healed. All the other people from the island come, and, and they are also healed. So it's an awesome moment of healing. And then they're going to set back out to sea, right? They're heading toward Rome. And so verse 14 tells us a little further in the story. We're fast-forwarding a little bit. Therefore, or it says there, we found brothers. All right, so verse 14, they've come here journeying toward Rome. They're still about 130 miles or so away at this point, but they're getting closer. And look what he says, verse 14. There we found brothers, and I think that's interesting. There we found brothers, and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and so we came to Rome. Now, they're not actually in the city of Rome yet, but it's interesting. He says, there we found brothers. Why? Because Paul is, this is AD 60. Paul hasn't yet made it to Rome. But Paul, back in AD 57, so three years prior to this, he's already wrote the letter or written the letter to the church at Rome. So there's obviously believers, and you and I might wonder, well, how did this come about? And, and to be honest with you, I hadn't even thought about this, but this morning in Sunday school, we're studying in the midst of Acts chapter 2, and it was something very interesting that happened on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2 is on the day of Pentecost, right? They've all come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration, and it says there are all these people from all these different nations, and then it says this little snippet in verse 10 of Acts 2. And guess who else was at Pentecost? Visitors from where, you think? Rome. And God in his divine providence has these people here at this exact time to hear the gospel. And so these guys have gone forth sharing the gospel already in Rome. So when we see that there are brothers there, right, that they're, they're followers of Christ already there. The gospel is going forth. Part of God's promise is already ahead of Paul. God is doing a work. And it says the brothers there, verse 15, when they heard about us, came as far as the form of Apias and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, right, so they finally there make it, God's promise, his faithfulness, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who guarded him. And then this snippet here, verse 17. After three days, he called together the local leaders, the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the custom of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. So Paul says, listen, guys, I, I've, I've done nothing against our people, right, or against the customs. It says, false accusation. Verse 18, when they had examined me, he says, they wished to set me at liberty because there was, he says again here, no reason for the death penalty, right? So he says, listen, guys, I was falsely accused. Here I just want to stop for a moment. This is not maybe keeping with the context of what's happening here. But there's a lot of stuff happening in our culture of accusations being made, sexual misconduct, all kinds of things are unfolding right now in the midst of our culture. I, I'm sure most of you are aware of it. If not, I, I'm surprised how. And I want to take just for a few moments and look at God's Word, I think, for three specific reasons. Number one, we as the church need to be reminded that God has something to say about the things that happen in our culture. The Word of God has something to say about the things that take place in our culture. Secondly is this, I've been here almost 13 years now, so many of you, you've probably heard it, seen it, or you realize it. Two of the things I struggle with the most 
our pride and purity. And so when I see all of this, I see myself. And I pray a lot, God, please don't let me do that. I don't know when you see it. I mean, you, be careful if you're there and you start saying, mm-mm-mm. I see it and I'm like, oh, Lord, please don't let me do that, God. I know what I'm capable of. And so the third reason maybe I want to share this this morning is because there may be some of you that feel that too. Like you realize what you're capable of. You realize that mantra of, but by the grace of God, there go I. Like, God, I know that I'm capable of anything at any time. So I need this for my own soul, and maybe you need it for yours. But again, Paul is here. He's been experiencing all kinds of false accusations, and so I think it fits well with what's happening in the midst of our culture. So I want to say three specific things about it from God's Word. All right, there's some of the headlines. So I guess I should have pulled that up a while ago, but obviously you can see. I mean, there's some pretty prominent people, right? There's a lot happening unfolding before our eyes here in the last little bit so proverbs chapter 5 proverbs chapter 5 begins with this statement and this will be i guess point number one is he says drink from your own cistern flowing water from your own well drink from your own well now what he's speaking is he's speaking to husbands here and he's saying listen god's given you a wife drink there so when i say drink from your well i'd say to this i'd say if god has indeed given you a wife or wives if god has given you from a given you a husband then drink water from there only and drink from there often. Drink water from there only and drink water from there often, right? He's using this this expression to explain to us the physical intimacy. And some of you are here and you may be concerned, like, I'm not sure I want my kids hearing this. I'm going to remind you that my kid is in second grade and the other day he came in and we said, what'd you say? And where'd you hear that? And where is my son, by the way? Okay. Dude. Right, mom's doing uh, children's church, and so I didn't know where he was. So anyway, he went to where the toys are, right? There we go. Um, um, all right, so anyway, it caught me off guard right there. Dad moment. I was like, whoa, where's my kid? So, uh, so listen, I mean, again, the other day he comes in and says that. I'm like, where did you hear that word? Second grade. Rule, Green County, right? I know we think at times we're excluded from everything else in the world. Guys, we're not. So I want to encourage you that if you're not having these conversations that needs to be happening, is it awkward? To some extent, yes, but it's even more awkward when they hear at the lunch table from all their friends or from what they've heard or seen on the Internet. And I want you as parents, as grandparents, to be equipped, aunts, uncles, as disciples, to realize that the Bible has something to say. And the Bible tells us that, listen, God has given the beauty of marriage and sexual intimacy to happen within the, the, the confines of marriage between a man and a woman. He says, listen, and, and watch this example he uses here, right? So again, we have that adage, drink water from your own cistern, drink water from your own well. Verse 16 of Proverbs 5. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. So when he says here, your springs, right? He's speaking about his wife, and he says, listen, if they were literally scattered abroad or, in essence, they're for strangers, right? He's saying, husbands, how would you feel if your wife went out on you? He's saying, my guess is you wouldn't like it very much. And so he tells his young son here, then son, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, listen, You probably wouldn't like it, so I want you to be aware that, guess what? You don't need to send that text message. You don't want your spouse sending the text? Don't send it. 
You don't want your spouse having dinner with that person? You don't have dinner with that person. There's just some practical confines that you need in your marriage to guard against it. He says, listen, guys, I want you to know we are all capable of. You say, well, Blake, that's a pretty high calling. I mean, how can I? Paul says to us in Ephesians 5, verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ, what? Loved the church and gave himself up for. So our loving is not based upon how good our spouse's behavior is. Why? Because God loved us when we were unlovable. So look what he says here further. Secondly, this. That intimacy was designed by God and for marriage only. And intimacy is good. So intimacy was designed by God for marriage only. Between a man and a woman. And intimacy is good. We need to let our kids know this. Right? Because they always think, well, why does God say no, 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 no? Because he says this right here is that good. There's something better. So look what he says here. Okay? This is, some of you are going to be like, that's in the Bible? Listen up. Verse 18 of Proverbs 5. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. And then this, right? Let her breast you at all times with delight be intoxicated he says always in her love the idea of being intoxicated always indicates it's like a stream flowing down it's rushing through he says listen i am so caught up in the love that i have for my spouse that it consumes me says, listen, may her breast fill you at all times. There is an enjoyment that should be happening. And our kids need to know it is in the confines of marriage between a man and a woman. God has created this so. And we need to let them know the Bible says it's good. Depending on the maturity of your child, they need to begin to understand that Song of Solomon was written about a man and a woman. It's pretty, I mean, listen, it's like, whoa, I can't believe that's in the Bible, but it is. And I think we face our culture and oftentimes we just stick our heads in the sand like the Bible didn't have anything to say or that's going to be really awkward. I promise you they're hearing it because the reminder is my second grader came home saying words and I was like, slow your roll, bro. Do you even know what you're saying? So we need to be sharing that the Bible talks about that marriage is good and sexual intimacy was created between a man and a woman and it is a good thing. And thirdly is this, and this, again, I kind of hinted to it at the beginning. There's a warning. Like, be warned. Look what he says here, verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Stop with me just for a moment. Look at this, verse 21. This is one of those that strikes me often uh, when I think about my own depravity and Bent toward lust, just being honest, full disclosure. For a man's ways, all right, so we have a man's ways, are before the eyes of who? The reminder is this, you and I can text and delete, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't see it. I mean, you can use Snapchat or whatever, and your parents may not know, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't see it. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his past. So that reminds me that if I see a pretty honey walking down the street, my wife may not know it when I stop and look and I lust after her. But God sure does. 
And you might think, Blake, well, that's not a real big deal. That's just who I am. That's just kind of how we are. I want you to see what the Bible says because you and I have all these thoughts that we want to make our sin okay. I want to tell it's not that big a deal. I'm like, oh, so you're all right. You're a good guy, Blake. You're a good guy. You got just got some problems. Now, listen to what it says. Verse 22. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. It says this is a trap. And he is held fast in the cords of his sin. And then this statement here, if you think it's not very serious, this warning's not real. If you think that you aren't above what Matt Lauer and Bill Cosby and all these folks are being accused of, all these things that are happening, look what he says. He dies for the lack of discipline. That's a serious warning. And I think each and every one of us, Let's be careful today. If you're in this culture and you're pointing fingers here and there, you need to be warned that you are just as capable. And we need to be on our knees praying, asking God to protect our own marriages, the marriages of your children, your grandchildren, nieces and nephews. You need to be discipling, pouring into people in the church. And as I read this, guys, I'll be honest again. I've been confessing my weakness in this area. I know it. It reminds me how much I need the grace of God. Does it not remind you of that? Like, I need God's grace. Right, that song we sing, not my brother, not my sister, but who? Me, O oh Lord, stand in need of prayer. Like, God, I need this, Lord. I know how weak I am, Lord. And so there he is. The word of God is there warning us, telling us. And so the gospel is coming. And I think that's what brings us right back into Acts and Paul's words. And the second thing is this. The gospel will go to all nations. Why? Because we reminded all people need the gospel. All of us are sinners here. All of us are here are guilty. No matter if you think your sin's not that bad or you may think yours is really bad. The good news is Jesus died for all of it. Christ died for all of us. And look what he says. The gospel will go to all nations. Why? Because, say it with me, God is faithful. He has and will always deliver on his promises. So look at me, would, back again to Paul's life. Um, as we look forward, I guess maybe you think about it. I don't know if you ever use those cans like where you would speak into one part and somebody would have the string and they would listen in on the other that's kind of what happens here um luke who wrote the gospel of luke also wrote the book of acts and so luke 24 is the last chapter of luke and then he picks right up in acts chapter one i want you just to see some things here of how this is coming about look what he says here verse 47 of luke 24 and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So he says, listen, guys, we need to take this gospel, the good news about repentance, forgiveness of sins, it needs to be proclaimed to all nations. And again, we had this statement earlier, like we asked the question, right, when you deliver that, that letter, like, hey, will you take that letter and deliver it to her or to him? Do you like me? Will you check yes or no? You probably entrusted to someone you trusted. And here's the beautiful moment, what the gospel says to you and I. Who's entrusted with the gospel and taking it to the nations? We are. You are. I am. We are. And the good news is the gospel doesn't say that you and I go and do that alone. The gospel tells us that Jesus is telling them it's a beautiful moment. We don't have time to walk through it all. But he says, listen, guys, I want you to know that you're not going to take the gospel to the nations by yourself. You're going to do it in the power of my spirit. Look what he says here, this statement in verse 49. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father, right? So again, now we have this, the promise of my Father, which ultimately we're going to know to be the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, when that power comes on, you're going to be clothed with power from on high. Well, this is similar to what Jesus says in verse 8 of Acts 1, right before he ascends back into heaven. 
He says, but you will receive power. Again, we have this idea of power coming. When, he says, it's very clear, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that's when you, when you receive the Spirit's power, then the Spirit will empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you've been with us, Acts 1-8 is kind of this overarching verse, right, of all of Acts. It kind of lays out the foundation. And finally, as we come here to Acts 28, we're seeing the end of the earth reaches. Paul is going and journeying toward Rome and beyond. Why? Because God's faithful. God is faithful to deliver us and to empower us through His Spirit to accomplish what He wants us to accomplish. He's saying, listen, guys, what I began, what I shared with those guys back in Luke chapter 24 in the upper room, what He shared there in Acts chapter 1 right before He ascends back in the clouds, the Spirit is empowering to bring it about. Do you see it? The Spirit in you is going to empower you to share the gospel with your family, with your community, with your school, job, your team, wherever God has you. He's going to use you to share the gospel. And you might be asking, well, what does he share? Look at me, if you would, verse 23 of Acts 28. It says, when they had appointed a day for him, Paul, remember, he had called them to come together. They came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to two specific things the kingdom of God, and trying to convince them about Jesus. So he's sharing about the good news that there is a coming kingdom, that this world's not all there is. This world's not all there is, guys. There is a kingdom that is coming that is eternal. And he says, listen, the only way to enter that kingdom is through Jesus. Good people, I was sharing the gospel with a couple of people this week, and, and we were having this discussion that it constantly comes up. If, if you die, right, that age-old question, if you die tonight or you die today, why is God going to let you into heaven? The answer continually comes back, because I'm a good person. And so I, I, my rebuttal always is, well, great, I'm glad that you're a good person, but so do your good things take away all of your bad stuff you've done? No. It doesn't matter, again, how good you think you are. None of it does anything to take away your sin. Thus, it necessitates that you need a substitute, a Savior who could die for your sin on the cross, who could take your sin and your shame, take your many mistakes if you're anything like me. And the name of that person is Jesus. And he says, listen, if you want to enter into this kingdom, it's only by the name of Jesus. Further, it says in verse 30 that he lived there for two whole years proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, listen, guys, we don't do this just on a mission trip. This isn't like what I do when I go to Changers or Oklahoma or when I'm in Haiti or Honduras or when I'm in Africa. This isn't just who I am one day a week or one day a year or one week a year or whatever. He says, listen, I want you to know this is the daily life of the believer, proclaiming the good news about your forgiveness of your own sins and that others can be forgiven too. And notice he does it with, all boldness. If you wondered, well, man, I, where does the boldness come from? Acts 4 and 31, it says that they were praying and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. The boldness comes not through your own strength or power, but the Holy Spirit filling you. And then secondly, look what else it says here. It says it's without hindrance. There's a work of the Holy Spirit. It says, listen, I want you to know, remember Paul's situation. In verse 16, it says that Paul was being guarded. Paul was being guarded, verse 20. He was wearing this chain, right? He says, listen, I'm, I'm under arrest because of my hope of Israel, right? This promise is coming. And because he said, listen, I'm wearing this chain. Paul was chained. But even though he's chained, look what it says here. 
The gospel's never changed. Is the gospel chained in your life? Is the gospel chained in your life? He says, listen, guys, sharing the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance. It's the good news that only the gospel can bring, that can break chains, that can free people. If you're here today and you're feeling conviction of your sin, I want you to know there's only one thing that can set you and me free. It's the name of Jesus. It's his life for ours. If you want freedom today, it is only in the name of Jesus Christ. He can bring you freedom. And not only does he forgive you guys, he sends his spirit to live inside of you to change you from the inside out. It's a transformation Right, I mean, we sing that song, Would You Be Free from the Burden of Sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory win? There's power, wonderful power in the blood. Would you be free from your passion and pride? Wow, man, that's so me. There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you do service for Jesus your King? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. And the good news is, as this comes to a close, is that Christ came for sinners. Why? Because God is faithful. He has and will always deliver on His promises. So I want to get to it as we close here. Verse 24, Paul's been sharing the gospel. Look at it says, some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. That's the same experience we often have. Right? As you share the gospel, some people say, yeah, absolutely. I'm willing to repent and confess Christ as Savior. Others say, sorry, not today, not now. Paul, same thing. And disagreeing among themselves, verse 25 of Acts 28 says, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. Now, remember, Isaiah spoke some 600 years before. But what did he say? He says, well, he said, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. Literally, their heart has grown thick. It's so thick that nothing else can get into it. It's so full that nothing else can come in. It says, with their ears, they can barely hear. Their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would what? I would heal them. He said today, if you will turn, if you will turn, if you will look upon the name of Jesus. Now, again, even the turning is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit brings conviction. You and I say, I cannot live like this, but I can't change myself. And God says, absolutely, you can't. Look to my son. I will empower you. To be transformed. But Isaiah the prophet writes that again. That's Isaiah chapter 6. He's citing. Look what happens here in the prophet Isaiah. Further in chapter 8. Again, these are just a couple chapters after what Paul's just cited. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. So literally, instead of going to God, should not a people, he said, inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? These people are so desperate for an answer. They're looking to the dead, right? Can someone communicate mediums, necromancers? Can someone communicate with the dead that can give me an answer? Because I need that much direction in my life. I need something. Look what he says, verse 20. To the teaching and to the testimony. If they would not speak according to this word, he says, if you won't follow God's word, look what he says. It's because they have no dawn. Darkness, he says, is coming. Now watch this. Stay with me. Stay with me. It's a beautiful moment. They will pass through the land greatly distressed. Maybe you're there. You're greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged. 
And they will speak contemptuously against their king and their God. So these people are distressed, they're hungry, they're enraged against God. They turn their faces upward. It says they will look to the earth. They've looked everywhere else, right? That old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. It says, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. You see that? They're going to be going. Instead of when you don't see God, he says, you're walking further and further into the dark. And then this moment of grace happens. This moment right now of Acts chapter 9, if you and I were to see that and think, these people have gone after everything else other than God. They've turned their back on Him. They've refused Him. They've gone trying to communicate with the dead. They're looking anywhere and everywhere for answers. And I want you to see just this moment of grace. Acts chapter, or Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people, these same people, right, who walked in, literally this is saying they walked in darkness. That indicates this is their lifestyle. They have seen what? A great light. On these people who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. Look at this moment right here. What a moment of beautiful grace. On them has light shone. These people didn't deserve it. And the gospel light is coming. Ultimately, this looks forward. He's getting ready to jump in to... To us a child is born. To us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. On his shoulders the government will never end. His dominion is an everlasting one. Just listen, guys. I want you to see it. These people did not deserve it. And yet the grace of God, the light of God came to them. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, listen, if you're here today and you've messed it up sexually, guess what? Join the crowd. You need forgiveness in that area? So does everyone else. You've messed it up by dishonoring your parents or being disrespectful and disobedient. I want you to know, guess what? Join the crowd. He says, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst here. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ came for you. That nothing you've done or know where you've been or know where you've slept or nothing you've said or looked at or thought about or meditated on or desired or touched or tasted. He says, I want you to know that none of that is able to separate you from God's love in Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to know that even though you feel like you're in the dark, the light is coming into the darkness. The light loves you and its name is someone. His name is Jesus. He says, behold, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Do you want freedom from all of your sins? Do you want forgiveness? It's in Jesus. He's the light. For your family and friends, this community, this world, that's walking and living in the darkness, from Acts chapter 1 to Acts 28, the gospel has been faithfully moving forward. Why? Because God is faithful even more than Amazon Prime to deliver on His promises. How will God use you? By the power of His Spirit, He is going to use you. And some of you are already set up for two-day shipping. It's time to go and take the gospel and tell them, listen, I know time's over, man. I struggle with it so much. You can pray for me more. I get it, right? River says to me often, he's like, Dad, you just preach way too long. I'm like... You and many others feel that way, son. I, I get it. It's a weakness, man. I know it is. Um, 
I messed up here recently. As I'm prone to do, running my mouth. There was someone connected to my family. And I had to go and own it this past week and just say, you know what, I'm sorry that 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 kind of happened. We kind of had that exchange. And I began to talk a little bit about how I need grace and forgiveness. And you know what happened in the midst of just talking about the fact that I need grace and forgiveness? They said, you know what, I need it too. So some of you are thinking that you can never share because you're not good enough. What I would tell you is that God will use your grace and your mess and he will bring light from your darkness. There's a God that's so good that even from your brokenness, he can bring healing to you and to others. And so I want to encourage you, and maybe that person might be your spouse you're sitting next to. It might be your parents that you're sitting next to today that you need to go and own and just say, you know what, I totally messed it. I am so sorry. I did not reflect Christ in that moment. But God's forgiven me. His grace is enough. I want you to know that you too can have that grace and forgiveness. It's the gospel. It's a promise that God always delivers on. Would you pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Father, I pray today that your spirit would would do the work that, God, there's no way I can do it. I want every person here, God, to know that you love them, that you sent your son to die for them. God, I want them to know that no matter what they've done, how dirty they feel right now in this moment, your son died to take all of that dirt and shame away. That, God, the shame and the misery we feel from our sin, Jesus paid the penalty for that for us. So it's not ours to carry anymore. So, God, I pray right now that you would call people that feel like they're in the darkness and they've been thrust in deep, deep, deep darkness. They can never come out. I just pray that the light is shining today through your word and you're ushering and calling people forward. God, I ask today that you would speak and empower your people through your spirit to take the gospel to all nations. God, help us see that that was your plan throughout the book of Acts, your spirit empowering your people to take the gospel. So, Lord, I pray right now that our people, that all of us are asking the question, God, how do you want to use me? Thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. Just as you delivered Paul to Rome, God, that you're going to deliver us to that eternal dwelling with you forever in your kingdom. Thank you. It's only by the name of Jesus. And I right now, God, ask for many others that you're going to call and draw, that I can go and just be faithful to share the gospel to anyone and everyone that you put in my path. And I pray the same for my brothers and sisters here today. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen.